Aaron Gwynn, thank you for coming on the Pink Bike Podcast. Now, this is quite exciting because you are at a test camp. You're literally, you know, getting ready for the season as we speak. And although it's quite late and even people testing, you know, checking out the UCI team list will have seen you registered. They don't know what bike you'll be riding. I don't know what bike you'll be riding. It's all very exciting. So yeah. fill us in. What are your plans? What will you be riding as we go into this 2024 season? Yeah, man. So it's been um, it's been a journey for sure. I guess for starters, this off season has been um, yeah, it's been different than pretty much any other off season I've ever had. I think um, I think just at the point in my career that I'm at and the things that I'm kind of hoping to do in the future. Um, we have the bike park here at Windrock now that we're running, and we've been putting a lot of time into that. Um, we've got the race team. I've had a race program for about seven years now, but I'm kind of running it under my own name now which has been uh, exciting and we can kind of dig into all those details and then um, yeah, actually am adding a bike brand to my list of businesses now too. So I'm partnered as an owner and the, uh, the new bike brand. And so, yeah, because of that, like the deal's just taken more time. Like I was really kind of patiently going about trying to find the right fit um, kind of moving forward for the rest of my career. And then once I'm retired as well. So uh, yeah, the bike brand I'll be riding for is Crestline Bicycles. Um, I'm super excited. It's been it's been kind of crazy, like uh, different than maybe some people would would expect or think. Um, but really, like I said, it's been a different journey this off season. I've been trying to really find um, good alignment more than anything. And I think long term for me, I've always wanted to start my own bike company. Um, I've thought about it a few times and, um, you know, so this is basically just, yeah, like I said, there's a lot of alignment between myself and the guys running that thing. Um, and I feel like it's a perfect fit for everybody. And so I kind of get to be a part of that now. And how does this differ from your setup within Intense? Because that was more than just racing, right? Yep. Yeah. So Intense was, um, they basically, I was hired to be like one of their factory riders, but to also manage their factory race team for them. So the race program, Intense Factory Racing, the last five years was owned, operated, and managed by myself and my team that I put together. So Intense was, you know, per se, like the, uh, the title sponsor of the program, and we ran that whole team. So um, I've kind of been doing that for a long time, like even back with YT, Martin technically owned that program but I kind of put it all together. So we've just been sort of inching that way, you know, for a long time now. So, um, yeah, not much has really changed now with Gwen racing. That'll just be, you know, it's really the name, but a lot of the staff and a lot of the people are staying the same. There are some changes, but, um, yeah, it's kind of a continuance of what we've been doing just kind of under my own name now. And are you able to shed, you know, you talk about buying into this Questline project, What's that going to look like in terms of how Questline is structured? Do you, are you going to hold some sort of position within the company? Are you kind of like a more of like a silent partner that just happens to race the bikes, if you see what I mean? <laughs> no, so I'm not buying in. Um, basically, the goal there is to be equal parts partner with uh, Troiden and Mark, the other two owners. So we'll each own a third of the company as the goal moving forward. And there's a clear path for me to basically get there um and so yeah that's kind of where we're at man we're just we're all in this thing together and uh yeah just excited we got already a lot of plans and a lot of things we're talking about but um yeah like i said i think for me like it's been i mean i've had such a fun and cool career 
Um, and I've been fortunate to ride for some of the absolute best bike brands in the industry and work with so many cool people. And I think over the years, I've obviously learned a lot and gained a lot of experience. And um, I don't know, I always have looked at it. And I'm like, man, if I could do this myself and I didn't have, you know, any rules or guidelines I needed to work around, like how would I do this or how would I start a bike brand or, you know, whatever. So I've even been to the factories in China and Taiwan like years ago and done some research and like, just kind of always considered it. it was just really hard to do while I was in the middle of like chasing champions and championships and stuff. Um, but that's ultimately like what I've always wanted to do. We had chatted about it a little bit with intense on the ownership stuff. I know a lot of people think that I had ownership there. Um, we definitely talked about it, but you know, it was kind of waiting to see if it was going to be the right fit down the road. Um, and we ended up going different directions there, which, you know, worked out well for me and kind of just what I want to do in the future. Like I said, I think, I've been working under like a traditional sponsorship model for so many years, you know, and you renegotiate these contracts every two or three years and you're just kind of in this like revolving door. And I was like, man, I really want to like find a home and build something that's, that's mine or I'm a part of it long-term. You know, you put all this time and effort, it's hard to be switching every couple of years. So, um, yeah, man, it just worked out really well. Um, you know, I was thinking about starting my own thing again also talked to quite a few brands this off season, just like work looking for the right fit and the, the right alignment going forward and kind of, um, yeah, chatting with Troy and a lot at Crestline, like we really just hit it off. And I think we have, uh, very similar visions to kind of what we want to do in the future and kind of how he views things and how I view things. So it just, uh, yeah, it was kind of crazy how it all came together, but we kind of just got to a point where it was like, man, like, why don't, why don't we do this together? And so it worked out really cool that way. So, uh, yeah, that's what's up. So reading between the lines, it sounds like sort of a, you know, stake in ownership, almost equity in the company for sponsorship. Would that be how it worked? Like, you know, there's no point. Is that, was that um, kind of? No, I mean, the sponsorship and the team thing is honestly kind of separate. Like I committed okay. to running my race program probably, three months ago, like we had secured enough funding through our co-sponsors and stuff. I really wanted to kind of support a couple of these, you know, Seth and Mikey specifically, the other two younger riders that are on my program. Um, obviously it's a little bit of a more challenging year financially for a lot of bike brands. And, um, you know, so I would have loved to keep Dakota and some of the boys on the program as well, but with budgets and how things were moving, they had some really good deals kind of come at them and that they needed to make a decision on in a couple of weeks. And I knew I was kind of getting into this uh, transition period where I was kind of looking for something a little more unique that I, you know, if I was able to find it, I knew it was going to take more than a couple of weeks to lock something down. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I really wanted to, to continue, you know, to go racing, to keep a lot of the base of our, our staff and our people we've built the last, you know, five, six years um and support these kids and so it was like all right let's you know lock in the team get everything we need and then basically had co-sponsors and everything on board and then just been kind of looking for the right partner on the frame side so um i was open to a couple of different opportunities and different things and we spoke with quite a few brands i'm fortunate to still be pretty close to a lot of brands i've ridden for in the past and even brands i haven't so kind of kicked it around with a few people and and was just looking for the right fit and um you know, but ultimately I was, I was hoping for something like this definitely wasn't going to force it. Um, so that's why the announcement has come late. Like I wasn't trying to <laughs> hold off for dramatic effect or anything. It was just, 
it was like, I just want to find the right fit. And I was in the fortunate position and not need to be in a hurry to lock a frame, Brandon. You know, I, I, we didn't need the funding um, at this point. Thankfully, I'm pretty tight with a lot of the tight brands. So if I say, hey, guys, I just need race frames, they'll send them to me. So um, it was really just like I said, just trying to find the right fit long term if it was possible. And I was just willing to be pretty patient and methodical to see if that worked out. And um, yeah, it ended up working out and we got a, a long-term plan. So yeah, with Crestline, like basically I'll just come in as an owner straight away. Um, I'll run the race program as well. My race team um, will all be on Crestline bikes. Um, but it's kind of, you know, I'm running that segment of the business along with, you know, being a partner now with those guys, like it'll basically be us making all the decisions on everything we want to be, you know, do moving forward. So um, really the bigger thing there, like I said, like the team is, is a piece of it, but it wasn't why we did the deal. We did the deal because, you know, I think we're going to be great partners moving forward and kind of managing this, this bike brand in the future and all the things that that will look like. And with, you know, some racers want to remove the complications of having to organize themselves. And I think for many individuals, that's one of the main laws about going to a bigger, more established team. There's probably a, a sweet spot, though, a trade-off where it's like, you know, having the bike you want to ride and having the influence you want within that company that supports you, whilst also not having it be so impactful that it can distract you from your racing. How do you feel that balance is going to be for you this season? And Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'll be – it's never easy. I mean, I um, – you know, I've done this a few times now, so it's not my first time. <laughs> and uh, – <laughs> And, um, but I think for me, like, because I've done it a few times, I know that if I have the right team and the right engineers and the right, you know, people are motivated that we can make a winning bike. You know, I don't, I don't want to sound over the top, but that's, that's not that difficult anymore. You know, I feel like I have the right group of people, even now, like I have, you know, Devin, my engineer that was with us at Intense and, um, you know, a whole bunch of other people. So if I want to make a fast world cup winning bike and I don't have a bunch of rules put around what that needs to look like, that that's pretty easy for me to do at this point. Um, so it was more, it was a little less about the bike directly, this contract and more about, like I keep saying, finding the right alignment with a company, like somewhere where I feel like I can really work for years and years and we can really build something that, that doesn't need to turn over every couple of years. Um, that was more important. Obviously the bike is important. Um, I haven't actually ridden the bike yet because my elbow is still healing. So I've been back on the bike now off and on for a few months, but it had a couple complications with it that I've just had to really be very patient with my rehab and kind of do things slower than I would like to. But I mean, overall I'm on schedule for what the doctors say I should be, but I always hope that it would go faster. But, um, Anyway, so I've been back on the bike really the last week is the first time I've been able to ride without a lot of pain. And I've just been riding my trail bike and slowly building up. So uh, Seth flew out here about a week ago, my teammate, um, and he's been testing and riding the bike a bunch. And he really likes it. And we're already looking into, you know, we got a lot of different options and things to test through. So we're going to start doing that here in the next couple of days. Uh, Mikey's actually flying in tonight as well. Um, so yeah, we're, we're really going to get busy now. We just kind of, uh, yeah, I've been waiting for everything to come together. So, um, yeah, man, I'm excited. The bike is, um, definitely looks really cool. <laughs> and the way it went together is like probably the cleanest 
nicest bike to put together and the way it looks that I've ever had. Like the thing is sweet, like really cool. Um, it's super light, like it's very well done. And I think that's talking to Troy and at Crestline, it was, I think that's where a lot of the alignment was. It's not like, Hey, can we just pump out, you know, 50,000 bikes a year and do all this stuff? You know, I mean, we're definitely planning to grow and expand into a lot of areas in the future, but um, is like whatever we do, we just we want to do it right. We want it to be quality. We want people to be really happy with the bikes they get. Um, have great customer service. Like just kind of we're aligned on a lot of those things. So, um, anyways, yeah, it's a crazy one, man. Very different than you know things I've done in the past. But because of my elbow and just the circumstances, it kind of was was what it was. So, um, but I'm stoked, dude. I'm I'm excited for a long future with the brand and to be able to to you know, be an owner in it and actually, um, participate at that level is kind of like a dream come true for me. And you mentioned, and to be fair, the track record would back you up that your ability to develop a fast sort of, not just bike, but a fast program, you know, all the things come together. It's not just the frame. There's so many contributing factors that have to meld together to contribute towards that. Um, you've been around obviously working with other teams, but also embedded with a scene, well, let's face it, you do hear things, you hear the gossip, you hear the rumor mill. What do you think is the biggest inhibitor to a lot of brands making a fast bike? Because people throw a lot of money at it and not everyone ends up doing it. You know, you do hear rumors of people not getting on with a bike, maybe even across a whole team, no one really liking the bike. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's tricky. It's, um, um, I mean, even with intense, like it, it wasn't easy. It wasn't like we got there in a year. I mean, we had some setbacks, like we had big delays with COVID. I had a couple injuries along the way that slowed it down. Um, and we kind of got to a point where, you know, I really needed an engineer that was going to be able to take the feedback I was giving and, and put that into what we were looking for. And so when Devin came on board, I feel like it really helped fill a couple of those gaps as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's not easy, but I think at this point, especially really, I feel like working with intense, like we were so thorough in the way we went through things to get to that finalized race bike that any gaps I had left in kind of learning, I felt like we figured them out (laughs) with that bike. And so now I think, um, yeah, you just, you know, you have a solid group. I kind of know where like numbers and, you know, kinematics and certain things like where that range is pretty good. So um, but yeah, I mean, it's tough. You got to work around a lot of things, right? Like fortunately at intense, like we could run basically like I got Jeff to just say, okay, build whatever bike you want and whatever one we can get dialed in the quickest, like you and Devin and me, like just go for it. And so we had kind of no parameters, but with a lot of brands, you know, they're like, they have a certain suspension platform or a certain marketing thing they're trying to push, or they've spent a bunch of money on some new technology or something, which maybe you know sometimes is more marketing than function you know because you, you don't want to just build the exact same thing that everybody else is building so you go like oh let's try to do it a little different this way um but sometimes you can back yourself into a corner by doing that as well you know maybe it's not the easiest to set up or you know the best functioning bike so there's a lot of different um i guess like reasons why sometimes that could be difficult i guess I mean, I think if we look back, you know, what was it 10 years ago when that four bar painting expired in North America and people went from telling you that their non four bar system was the absolute best and how many of those brands were quick to migrate. I think that patents can play a, a big role in that as well. Yeah, um, for sure. The bike, this crest line, you know, to the keen observer, there will be obviously some, some distinctions, but to the more casual one, 
has got a similar silhouette to the intense, most notably with that that idler. Yeah. Do you think the idler thing's gone? It's you know it's both literally gone up and down. Super high idlers a couple of years ago, they're coming down. Even common cell coming to like a more mid mid height idler. Um, how important do you think that is? Do you think it's a race specific thing? Do you think it's a rider specific thing? And in your testing with intense, did you find it to be faster? Yeah, we. I don't know that there's a magic answer to anything. I think it's really having like a well-rounded setup. Something at least for me, like I like bikes that kind of do everything well. I don't like to back myself into a corner by making a bike that, you know, like will just smash through bumps crazy. But it's like got a really rearward axle path, and it's hard to turn and hard to do that. Like I kind of like to. I usually land in the middle on kind of everything because I feel like when you're racing, you you need a bike that's going to be able to do everything pretty good, and then you as a rider need to just maximize those strengths and, and make the most out of it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the thing that's interesting with the Crestline, and I'm really excited, is I never felt like we really got a hold of that VPP um, suspension platform with Intense. We kind of we went down the road a little bit, and I just wasn't familiar with it at the time, and I felt like we weren't – we were kind of in a place where it was like, hey, you can make a whole new bike or we can keep – messing with this one and we never i mean really with intense when it started off it was more of a sizing issue at the beginning um and then we had some issues with the kinematics and then we right at the same time as when the wheel sizes were changing to the mullet wheels and so we were like prototyping with that and then we had covid and then it had crashes and so it was like it was just really hard to like we never got a chance to really maximize that suspension platform for what i wanted and we got to a point where it was like, okay, I know this other one works. I know we can get there pretty quick. Like, let's just do that. Um, so with the Crestline, it's a VPV platform, just like the Intense was. But I feel like the kinematics and everything, chatting with the engineers and where those numbers are, it's it's all really close to kind of where I feel like I would like to be. Um, and like you said, with the idler pulley, the axle path, and some of those things, like it's it's not a crazy rearward axle path like a lot of bikes. Um, you know, the Intense was sort of basically just rearward enough where you needed the the idler pulley. If you if you you know if we would have went just a little bit a little less on the axle path, we wouldn't have probably needed it. So I think the Crestline falls like pretty close to that. So um, I'm excited, man. I mean, now it's since it's kind of my <laughs> my deal, we can do whatever we want with that thing, and so. Um, we've got a good team of engineers, um, the geo starting point and the kinematics. A lot of that actually is pretty funny. Like, uh, Nico Malali helped a lot with the kinematics on the Crestline with Troiden. Um, so like when Nico, before he left intense, we went out and bought basically like a bunch of the top bikes because I, before we decided what we wanted to do with intense, as far as where we wanted to go with that suspension system in the future, um, I just wanted to ride everything and see what was what. So we were still at that time where mixed wheel sizes was kind of becoming the new thing. So not every brand had a production mixed wheel size bike out yet, even though their factory teams were on one. Um, so I really wanted to get a Santa Cruz, but they didn't have any. and <laughs> We tried. So because of that, you know, we rode the Specialized and the Trek and the Commonsall and a bunch of these other bikes. So I actually... Um, I knew Nico was going to go start his own thing and we've always been really tight. And I was like, Hey dude, if I'm going to go buy all these bikes, because I want to know kind of like really do a deep dive here. Not that any one of them are, are perfect. And especially in stock form, like a lot of times the race bikes are a little different, but 
we spent a bunch of time actually here at Windrock testing um, all those bikes. And we both kind of came to the same conclusions on what we wanted and the direction we wanted to go. So when he started Frameworks, he started putting those kinematics and geo into those bikes. And when I moved forward with Intense with those other two bikes, I basically did something pretty similar. But with those bikes, so Nico was kind of a big help with Troiden and, and figuring out the kinematics and the geo and everything for this Crestline downhill bike. So it's kind of funny, like it's uh, the same feedback kind of went into this bike as into what we were doing. So it's it's actually pretty close compared to where a lot of things would start, I think. And you mentioned the kinematics a couple of times and sort of settling on the attributes that you would want anyway. What what do those attributes look like? Are you after something in time, particularly progressive, sort of middle of the road, or dare I say, quite linear? Um, I think it depends. Like every bike's going to react a little different, especially with um, you know what what type of um, uh, pivot like setup, like whether it's a VPP or four bar, or six bar, or whatever. They're all you know like you can run the same kinematics, but they're always going to feel a little different depending on what bike you're on. Um, there's also some other factors that kind of can change some of those things as well. Um, but really like, I think for me with the kinematics, I think I've found a setup that's a little bit more linear. I think is it, it's, it's more consistent through the stroke. Um, it was something at intense. I think that YT was like that too didn't even specialize before where bikes were getting really progressive. Um, and if you do that in some ways, at least what we were finding is like, it's really hard to get the bike to hold up kind of at the top part of the travel. Like it'll really like and deep, it'll, <laughs> it'll support really well, but you kind of find at least for us, like this setup where it's, it's really hard to get the bike to have enough hold like mid stroke support. So when you push into the bike to, to pump it or to make it turn or, get in and out of corners that like you've really got that platform to push on. So it doesn't feel like the bike's really wallowy and soft. Um, if it's a super progressive bike, a lot of times it's like softer through that first half of the stroke. And then when it finally does ramp up, like it really ramps up like deep in the travel. So for us, you end up like stiffening the bike like so much to get that mid stroke support, but then it's just like unreal to try to hang on to like deep in the stroke. So, I mean, I think, like I said, there's a, there's a range of like acceptability. There's not like one number that just works all the time. You know, your shock tunes and so many other variables go into that. Um, but yeah, as far as like kinematics go, I think like, and that's one thing cool about this crest line is we already have like a bunch of different links and we're making some more stuff. So we got a lot of options that we can tweak that thing. Um, but I've kind of found that I, I've kind of started to lean more towards like a more linear setup. I think especially when, um, like you said, with with a race bike where you do need so much mid-stroke progressivity, people often assume that it enables you to go faster, and it does. But it, you can also feel like you're in free fall, which yeah. which which can be no good. Um, back in the day, you were famed, I think, especially when you're on trek, perhaps, or even actually in the specialized years as well, for having an ultra hard setup, especially in the fork. Um, Rob Warner would always be shouting about it. It was visibly looked so stiff. Is that something you've persevered with? Do you run a stiffer fork compared to other people of the same weight of you as you do you think? Um, yeah, I'd say I'm probably like 
I'm probably still on the stiffer side with how I run things, but not like I used to be. Really, like the suspension uh, performance and technology and all that has gotten so much better in the last 15 years. I felt like when I was racing, like on track, for example, back in like 2011 and 12, like we were on a 26 inch wheel bike. Like they were quite a bit smaller, like even frame size wise than what we're racing now. And the suspension and the frame technology, like everything about it was just not as good as it is now. So for me to hit stuff as hard as I felt like I needed to hit it and not slow down, I basically just had to make the bike like really stiff. It was hard to hang on to. Like if you were doing bike park laps, you would be miserable. <laughs> but for a World Cup race bike, if you just wanted to slam into stuff and not slow down, for me, like, and get the bike to maintain geometry and not be pitching and diving in the steep stuff, when you're hitting big holes, um, I just ended up going really stiff. It was a really fast setup, even though it was it was tough to hang on to. But nowadays, like the suspension works so much better, the bikes work a lot better, the wheel sizes are big. Like everything kind of goes to where like you don't have to run it that stiff, um, and the the that's just way more tunable. Like everything, you can run something that's going to have like really good small bump sensitivity, but still have good hold up deep in the travel. So. Um, I think that was like back then I remembered it was like a lot of guys were like, Oh, I just want it to be like really supple in the bump. So they'd run like a softer setup, but then it had like no hold up down deep. And for me, I was like, I'll skip around on top. I just need the thing to slam into walls real fast. So <laughs> I just made it stiff. But thankfully these days, yeah, you don't have to go so extreme to get the bike to hold up. Um, as we look into this season, obviously mentioned this uh, continuing issue with your elbow also it sounds like you're very much thinking big big picture with this Questline project will you be having a run at some races particularly something like world champs those kind of one-off races and also how's that going to interact with the commitments you might have to discovery will you be commentating again yeah so we're kind of um again man like i just shout out to all the people that are supporting us and and giving me the freedom to kind of do what i what i want to do but yeah, my plan is to come back to racing as soon as I'm 100% like fast and strong and healthy. Um, so we'll see. Like I was, it's been hard, dude. I've never been off the bike this long. Like it's been, I think, eight months now. Um, and I'm like kind of cruising around on a trail bike now and like for the first time not having a lot of pain when I ride. So that's been really exciting because I usually I ride my bike almost every day and I love it. So being off the bike for eight months has been, I mean, we've been busy for sure, but it's, it's been hard. I've missed it a lot. Um, but I just want to be smart. You know, I don't want to make it worse. I want the thing to heal so I don't have issues down the road. And so just trying to be patient, but yeah, so my plan is to come back to racing as soon as I'm basically a hundred percent. So if that's, you know, first world cup, um, sweet. If it's a few rounds in sweet, we got a good gap, uh, before world champs. So my, my goal for a few, I don't know, the last four months or so is to then like really make a good push for world champs this year. And, um, so that would have me on the bike, you know, or basically up to speed, uh, around the beginning of July. And I'd probably do like us national champs and crankworks whistler and as much racing as I can, hopefully a world cup or two, at least before that. And then, um, you know, see if I can go win that race would be, would be awesome. It's at Andorra this year. It's probably my favorite track or one of my favorite tracks. Um, and then I'll finish off the season from there. So, um, yeah, plan is just to race as soon as I'm, I'm back up to speed and feeling good. And then, 
Um, yeah, I'm chatting with Warner Brothers on the commentating stuff right now, and the plan on that is to probably, if I miss any of the World Cups, I'll be commentating at those, and then we'll probably work on some TV stuff, um, even at the races I am racing as well. So uh, super excited about that. Like, I don't feel like I'm done racing. Like, I want to keep keep pushing at it, but I do enjoy the commentating as well. So if I'm, you know, I want to be at the team supporting or at the races supporting my team um, regardless. And if I'm there and I can't race, I'd love to do the commentating. So that's the plan. How do you feel? I mean, we see Minar go to this sort of rejuvenated Minar potentially going on to this Norco deal. You're, you know, still wanting to, you know, talk about winning world champs. Do you care about the whole goat debate? Does that mean anything to you? Um, I mean, I'd probably be lying if I said no, right? (laughs) I'm pretty competitive. So, (laughs) Um, no, I wouldn't say if I was to keep racing, it's not because I want to win more races than Greg. I think I, I love riding my bike. I love racing. And I felt like it was really hard to sit on the sidelines last year because I felt really good coming into the season. Like I had a good year before that. Um, I felt like we were in a good place with the bike and the equipment last year. I felt physically like better than I ever had coming into a year. Um, and then just went out like on my third practice run and missed the whole year. So it it was hard, man. Like I, the whole plan was to try to, you know, be back to winning races and win that world cup overall title and maybe world champs last year. Like that was the goal. So, um, yeah, I mean the hunger to do that is, is definitely still there. Um, I wouldn't say it would be trying to, to chase Greg's record, but if uh, if I was able to beat it, I definitely wouldn't be mad about it. So, <laughs> and did you feel coming back in that really strong twenty twenty two results? Did you feel somewhat maybe vindicated? I felt that like there was a sort of an idea about you know you were really really pushing on with um, YT and then moving to intense and then developing the bike and it was kind of like you know sort of like does he still have it? You know, that yeah. sort of um, commentary was floating about. Um, you know, people often forget that, you know, you might be a bike racer for some of your life. You're a human for all of your life and all your live long days, you know. Um, yeah. Did that weigh on your mind at all? And did you feel vindicated kind of getting towards the sharp end again? Um, I would say, like, I was just I was just happy because I know the work that I put in. And I feel like, um, you know, people don't see all the stuff going behind the scenes. Like, man, it was a, it was a very challenging, you know, three, four years there before, you know, I had that good season and, you know, a better season in 22, like the types of injuries I had, how random they were, where I felt like there was like literally nothing I could have done, like come up over a blind rise and there's a huge loose rock in the track and you land straight on it and have a huge crash, like first practice run. And you're like, man, like I couldn't have done anything better or different to avoid that. It was just one of those things that happened. Um, I had some parts failures. I had, you know, just weird stuff happening in it. I felt like the whole time I had the speed, like I hadn't changed. Um, you know, I battled through some bike stuff for sure, like setup wise, trying to be comfortable. And then, like I said, with COVID and the injuries and everything kind of compounding, like I just never had a chance to like put more than a few months together without some sort of setback. Um, so I think for me, like I, I never lost hope. Like I always know, like if I'm comfortable and I'm fit, like I can compete for wins. Um, it's not easy to have both of those things come together, you know, at that level, a lot of things need to go right, but I still feel like I could do that for, you know, five more years if I wanted to, you know, that's just my belief. So I wouldn't say I felt 
vindicated because it wasn't about trying to do it for anybody else but myself. You know, I just really, I love the feeling of being comfortable and being on a downhill track and being able to like ride that pace and compete for wins. Like that's, that's always been everything for me when I go racing. So it was more just really fun to be able to, to start doing that again. And I felt like the best was yet to come and uh, we weren't able to quite get there with the injury, but we'll see what happens in the future. When you turned up to World Cup racing, there were a lot of people who've been plugging at World Cups for years and maybe having the sort of conversations that you and I are having now. When I'm comfortable, when I'm happy, I know I can deliver. And then you turn up and you make winning look so easy. <laughs> What's it? Did did it feel easy at the time, winning all those races so early? Um, it never feels easy. It, it's always been hard. You know, I think... And as I've gotten older, I appreciate it more because <laughs> I know like, man, you're winning a lot of races for a lot of years. And I would have never said it felt easy. It was just the gap was different back then. I think the sport has just elevated so much. Um, I mean, back then it was just like, yeah, if I had my best run, like nobody's going to touch me and I'm probably going to put a big gap in everybody. Now it's like, if you're going to put eight seconds into somebody like, it's going to be, <laughs> unless there's a very unique situation with weather or something, like I don't know that that's happening. Um, so just the, the depth of the field now, like has just risen so crazy. So, um, and there's so many people I feel like that are capable of kind of running that speed. You still do have those top couple of guys that kind of end up winning consistent. But um, I mean, even last year we had, like a different world cup winner every single race except jackson won two and then um with world champs i can't remember who won that but i mean it was basically a different yeah, charlie, charlie. but yeah, yeah so a different race you know winner every race so it's just the the depth of speed and talent is just bigger and better than it's ever been and like everybody is on a full program now like they're all fit they're all fast they all have good bikes for the most part it's like it's just more competitive now, which is great as a fan and a little harder as a racer. <laughs> um, as a team manager and someone that has won, you know, a couple of years of running programs. So I'm getting a bit of a hissing. I don't know if, can you hear it at all? Is there like a, a whine on your end? I don't hear anything. I don't here, know if but... it's maybe me. Oh, wait, if you got it, I'm sure it's fine. Cool. Um, I'll go into the question again. So as someone that's been running programs for a couple of years, has that role of sort of, you know, picking riders, selecting riders, if you had a blank checkbook and weren't interested so much in rider development, who would be the riders that you would pick? You know, if you could sign any one rider from the male elite and female elite, which two riders would you think would be the best investment to go win races this year? Uh, that's a tricky one. You're putting me in an awkward spot too because I'm friends with a lot of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> I would say... Um, just to keep it simple, if I would have had, if I had the access to money a little sooner in the off season, I would have kept Dakota. <laughs> we'll, we'll just say that Dakota and I were really, we had a really good time riding and, and working together, um, and it was really cool to see him find some consistency in his speed. Like he has so much skill and talent on a bike, so to be able to start putting those other little pieces together and, and kind of start believing in himself that he could just do that every weekend. Um, it was really fun. It sucked to be off the bike last year, not racing, but to be able to spend a bit more time with him and the other boys on our team and, 
and to see the success was was really fun and uh, I know we were both pretty bummed to not be able to keep doing that this year so yeah if I had a if I had a contract maybe I'd just buy him out of his contract <laughs> <laughs> and um and in the female elites um female elites um I'm trying to think um I mean dude like if you're if you're looking for results like it's really hard to go against Valley right now I think mm -hmm. she's so strong and she's young and I honestly feel like she's still got some progression left I think there's still some areas there like I think there's a good chance she's going to just keep getting better um so yeah I mean that would that would probably be like if I had to pick pick a female rider I mean a bunch of them are awesome like I really love Nina's like vibe and attitude and like her energy and like personality and everything like every time I see her I feel like she's smiling and she'd just be somebody really fun to be around um like dude yeah I don't know like just pick any of them really Cammy, Rachel yeah. they're all like amazing so and then there's some new junior riders coming up too some of those junior girls are ripping so yeah we'll see um, through the season, you know, rumors swirled as, I mean, this is probably the silliest season to date. It feels like it's had a bit of everything. Um, is that something that you ever keep an eye on in terms of, do you care what people think is happening? And also <laughs> as someone that's hunting down deals, it must be kind of strange to hear, oh no, if they get, if X is going to say, say it was Questline, that means I'm not going to Questline. Am I going to give any credence to that? Is that something you ever consider? <laughs> Um, no, not really. I'm, uh, I know a lot of people now and, uh, both brands and riders. So I usually know where everybody's going to end up three or four months, half the time before it's announced. Um, sometimes sooner. I mean, a few of the athletes call me to help me, you know, to help them figure out their deals sometimes. So, um, I'm usually pretty, pretty clued into what's happening. And, uh, and I, I kind of just like laugh at it because, a lot of people will be very sure about certain things happening and uh, like it's a hundred percent done deal. I heard it and whatever. And you're like, man, you are way off, <laughs> but it's uh it's, it's cool. I think it's fun. Like it makes it exciting. Like I'm a huge fan of motocross as well. And um, as much as it's cool to see a rider, like be with a brand forever. And like, you know, if, if it ends up working long-term, I think it's really cool, but it's also pretty cool to see people just like, pop onto the track with like a different color bike and like different gear and a different team. Like it, it keeps it fun every year. So, um, I think it's cool. You know, I follow some of the forums a little bit loosely. Uh, my wife will, she gets a kick out of reading stuff sometimes, but, um, yeah, for the most part, I'm, I'm usually pretty clued in on what's happening before most people know. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. We have a rule at pink bike where if you meet a pro rider on the new deal like you can't well obviously you would never say if you go for a group ride or something if me and you went riding and you rocked up on a crest line hadn't announced it yet that's yeah. not fair game <laughs> whistler bike you that's kind of different but you know what i mean yeah um what's the craziest rumor you've ever seen about you where you're going over the years oh dude um there's been some really good ones i'm kind of drawing a blank now on what they've been um oh man I know that there's a cup. My wife, if she was here, would probably yell it at me, but um, <laughs> I I don't remember. But I know there's been a, but, some good ones, like everything from like KTM motorcycles to like I don't know. You I name remember it. KTM. That was a huge yeah. one. That was yeah. a whole thing. Yeah, I, whole I was convinced. Thing. 
Yeah, there's a lot of people like even now that like think that I'm an owner of Intense and they say it like it's fact and uh, I never was. Like we had chatted about it earlier and I think I maybe had mentioned that in an interview and so people kind of jumped on that. But um, yeah, it's it's funny like the things that not just even sponsorship stuff, like certain things that fans are like, oh yeah, that happened and you're like, man, that never happened <laughs> or not like that. <laughs> but that's... uh power of the old social media <laughs> yeah it can run rampant um we know that these are different times for the bike industry um how much has that affected putting this program together think do you think for you do you think if somebody w- w- you know you let's face it crestline they make some really interesting bikes i think they have a lot of people's curiosity but they probably weren't the first name to think of when thinking aaron Gwynn, new world cup brand um yeah how how different has that process been this year? And what, what's your kind of temperature take on where the bike industry is at currently? Um, I don't really. I mean, I know it's it's a tough time for a lot of bikes, right? And I'm I'm sensitive to that and aware of that. I think it's just a, um, and I hope it's just kind of a uh, a natural implication of the last couple of years that we've gone through. I mean, with COVID, to have a surge in bikes like that, but then have the supply chain shortages and like the long lead times and everything, like. And everybody was trying to get outside and buy bikes. So it, to me, it's like logical. Like I, I feel like for me, I'm like, yeah, I would have guessed that that would have happened. Like it's not like that. It's not logical that that level of bike sales would just continue and continue and continue. And you go from having no bikes and selling everything to like, okay, eventually these are all going to show up and everybody's like back to work now <laughs> and the world's like back to normal. And literally everybody has a brand new bike. So it's like, it's probably going to be a few years before they try to buy another bike. So. Um, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm interested to see what happens in the, you know, first few quarters of this year, like through the spring and summer to see kind of, it seems like things are, you know, in the, the aftermarket world and certain things with certain parts and companies I work with starting to turn around a little bit again. Um, so I, I hope for everybody that it, it's turning around and I feel like it, it will, I think cycling is, you know, mountain biking is bigger than it's ever been. There's so many people riding. Um, I think it's just a, you know, a lot of people bought brand new bikes a couple of years ago. So I think it's going to be a little bit of time until they're ready to buy them again. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't feel too freaked out about it. Um, but obviously I'm in a different position than some of the brands are. And what will these Questline bikes be equipped with? Will it be the normal mix of Fox E13, etc.? Um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, right now, like Troiden's, the way he's approached is like he just wants to make really quality bikes and put the best parts on them. Like right now, there's not a bunch of different options of part kits available. Um, they usually just spec them with one kit, which is usually a really high end kit. Um, they literally only make e bikes and they did a limited run of 50 downhill bikes. So you can't even buy the downhill bike right now. Um, we'll change that in the future for sure. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's kind of funny. I mean, I'll, I'll get some hate for it, but it's like if I could only have two bikes in my arsenal, I'd have an e-bike and a downhill bike because I, I think yeah. people think I'm joking when I say I just really like going downhill and I don't love to pedal, <laughs> but I really love to go downhill and I don't really love to pedal. So <laughs> e-bikes and downhills for me, dude, are like the most fun. So I, I thought that was funny. We both kind of got a kick out of it. I was like, yeah. But I And Troy Dan's like, I don't know. I made an e-bike and a downhill bike because those are the bikes I like to ride the best. So like we just we want to make really fun bikes that we love and share them with other people. So, um, we'll definitely be expanding the land, the, the lineup in the future. And we're already chatting about what that's going to look like. 
Um, and we're kind of open to, to working with whoever on the parts, you know, side of things. We just want to work with, with great brands and, and spec really good products. So if you have those things lined up, um, then sure, you know, we're not going to kind of, um, rule anything out really. Yeah. I think for, you know, a certain section of the consumer having the ability to buy a race replica almost can be really, really valuable in terms of Gwyn racing sponsors, apart from Questline. Who else will be featuring this year? Uh, we're still finalizing a couple of those deals, but more or less it should be pretty much all the sponsors that I've had last year. There'll be a couple small little tweaks, um, but I've been fortunate to be with a lot of these brands for, for quite a while. Um, so we'll be working with a lot of the same brands. But um, yeah, that info will all come out soon. We're, we're kind of working on everything. Like, I wanted to find a brand where I felt like there was a really good future there that I could be involved in, um, you know, for forever, really. And so that was that was the priority. Um, and that's, you know, that's what I'm super excited about with Crestline. But, yeah, as far as parts and all that go, like, we kind of ironed out the last few details. And it was like, okay, we got the bikes. We were testing. Like, my whole priority was it would have been nice to announce everything months ago, but it was like, as long as my, my guys on my team are taken care of and they have the parts and the bikes and what they need to do their training right now and stay on schedule. That's been my priority. Um, and obviously it'd be cool to have kits and everything logoed up and mediated up and all that stuff that'll all come here in the next month. Um, but like I said, priority was just the boys and making sure they were sorted and kind of letting these pieces really come together. Right. Um, so yeah, we're kind of finalizing the last few little co-sponsors. Now we'll be testing all week. We have all of our final products now, and then we'll, you know, get graphics on jerseys and all that stuff in the upcoming weeks and <laughs> shoot a bunch of photos. Amazing. Well, thanks for filling us in on the details. It sounds like you got a lot on very, very, very busy man. And thanks again for coming on the Pink Bike podcast and best of luck, not only with the season, but also your arm. It must be so frustrating and it'd be great to Thanks. get up riding regularly i'm sure yeah appreciate it man yeah it's, it's doing all right i got like full range of motion back which i'm super excited about and finally starting to ride pain-free which is i can't tell you how happy that makes me so we're uh, we're on the right track excited i'll probably get on the downhill bike uh probably in a few days actually i'll go do a couple of cruisers on an easier track and just start going through the process and yeah like i said plan is to come back as soon as i'm i'm fit and healthy but um yeah we got a lot of cool projects going on and plan to be at all the races and be heavily involved in a lot of different areas of the sport so excited man thanks for the time amazing thanks Aaron. see ya